2: take microphone one two coming on to life from africa welcome to uganda okay Attach. Attach. Oh. this is the home of the best of the best action movies we call it wakali Wood. if we need the gun we will do anything like a Jeep camera stand if you don't have one we make it
1: wanted The white man in the movie, and we didn't know where to get the white man. And he just came in in time.
2: I come from New York City because <laughs> I see your movies. I didn't call, I didn't email, I didn't write. I just went there to track him down. Alan, oh, I am a woman who is <laughs> a talent. I am a martial
1: artist. I am a Isaac created a new genre with me that he's excited about. It's called Beating Up the White Person Genre, and it turns out all of Uganda is just in love with it. And I think it's funny as hell.
2: (laughs) Wow! African
1: talentinum. You're the George Lucas. Thank you. (laughs) We think he's made 47 films in 11 years. Isaac is at his peak creatively, and so my job is to put kerosene on the bonfire. Things are getting um, things are getting interesting
2: here. I reached a point where I felt that I should leave this, but I'm struggling because that was
1: my big dream. Now we could have been the Beatles of exploding heads, man. Still can be. What
2: really unites us is movies. For me, it's eye-opening. It's happening. It's global. With the help of my family and the Wakalu family, I feel like I have pressed priest at that first break in the foundation of the Uganda film industry. So, Wakalu, you live forever.
1: Hey folks, welcome to a very special episode of The Projection Booth. I'm your host, Mike White. On this episode, I'm talking about the film Once Upon a Time in Uganda. It is a documentary directed by Catherine Zubek. And it stars the one and only auteur himself, Isaac Nabwana. He is the director of such things as Bad Black, Who Killed Captain Alex, and about 30 other films, I think. He is a very prolific director of more which is the name given to you from Uganda, or at least of Nabwana IgG. It's a great documentary. It is coming around through the Alamo Draft House releasing, so you can see it there. It will be out via streaming starting July 25th, 2023. Find out more at once upon a time in Uganda.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the interview. Catherine, I'm going to start with you and ask you, how did this project come to be?
0: So I learned about Isaac's story back in 2012. Al just gotten back from his first trip to Uganda and I met him at a film event and he was vibrating with excitement about this story. And once he told me the story, it was I can't imagine any filmmaker, any storyteller not being interested in what Isaac was building in Wakali with Wakaliwood. And so it wasn't until though, until 2015, like three years later, that we were actually able to go. To Uganda, you know, you always wonder if a story is as wonderful as it is. Will it be as good in person? And it was so much more. It blew me away. So I fell completely in love with Isaac and his family and the entire community and every his journey. And it was just a real privilege for me as a storyteller to be able to tell the story of Isaac and his journey into the rise of success because there's so much that goes into it. People have a really specific idea when they think of like, oh, you make film or you you become successful. You're on like right, let's see, one red carpet story or whatever. And they think everything's success. but there's so much that goes into being an artist. It was a complete privilege for me to be able to um, be able to tell this story.
1: And Isaac, how was it for you when these strange people come over and say hey we want to make a documentary about you first of all it was an opportunity
2: for me you know uh, you, i reached a time that i wanted to tell my story and uh, you know you need people who come to you and you get trust them and then you say oh these are the right people to tell in my story and i think uh, they're good people anyway they came to me and they're you know you just look at them and you share them i'm very good at supporting people anyway <laughs> if you if you look at what I've been doing, I I look at it and I, you know oh, this guy is good, but anyway, it was basically good for me. And when they came here, I had already received so many people, be- almost from different parts of the world. So saw uh, I, I was used to people, you know, but uh, there was also something I would I never sometimes would not like, like the media here in Uganda, uh, whereby. Uh, someone reported uh, my story uh, on a phone. Uh, he's a Ugandan, just a few few kilometers away from where I am. So he decided to uh, to call me, and I gave him my story. So what he did, uh, he misspelled my name. Uh, he, like like uh, like, uh, I remember Anist Serunia. It was called Anist Sebonya uh Wilson Kakule. It was called Wilson Kalule. So there are so many mistakes he made. I see that story on internet, and I was like, why can't he come to me? And then I give him exactly what you know. Why should you call? You know, instead of coming, when someone come to you, and you feel like you're going to give him exactly, you you feel him or her, and then you feel each other. Then you know, calling. So I, I was so happy when they said we want to make a story with you
1: here at Wakalwood. Welcome uh, Is it like a suburb of Kampala? Like, how does that work in relation to Kampala? Yeah, it is a suburb of
2: Kampala. It is a suburb of Kampala. It is in uh, you know Kampala is comprised of uh, five divisions, uh, but we are in one of the division called the Rubaga Rubaga division. Yeah, we are on four miles away from the center. So Rubaga is five square. I mean Kampala is five square mile, and so we are on the fifth on the fourth mile of Kampala from the center.
0: And I just point out too, like if you Google um, Wakali-ga, you it um, will come up with Wakaliwood Road. Isaac, tell the story of how your road was named Wakaliwood
2: Road. You know, because so many people have been coming here, uh, especially people from outside Uganda, uh, that alone has made the community to decide that they should give me at least a lot, some, so, because I they feel like I've I, I've added something, I think, to the community. Uh, you know. Uh, first of all, it was people came used to come and gather here, Ugandans, not, I mean outsiders, and they were like, what is what is done here? What is done here? Uh, especially I used to have these rocks guys, and uh, some of them mistake them for, for being thieves. You know, it's like a hive of thieves. But now it became something, when it exploded, people started coming from all over the world. And they oh, wait, wait, wait a minute, these are good people. They bring in people from, and you know, the, the hotels around me have been, you know, you know um, accommodating people from all over the, 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 the world. You know, it is something which has added, I think, to the community. And I think that's why they decided to give me a lot, a rain here and a lot.
1: What made you pick up a camera the first time? What, what was your inspiration to make your first movies?
2: Yeah, the inspiration is a long story because uh, I can't say that it's, it was one, it is a link. It is a link of, you know, stories. It starts from childhood, where I used to draw a lot in exercise books. And I I remember when I was drawing one day, when my grandfather uh, phoned me drawing and he said, you are an artist. That alone has been, you know, in my ears. And I was always boasting, telling my, you know, brothers and sisters, I'm an artist. Because I didn't know what I was saying anyway. (laughs) At that time, I didn't know because my grandfather told me you're an artist, but I didn't know what exactly it meant. Because this is talent. You just draw and you just don't know where it comes from because it's a talent. But also, I would also link it to my brother who used to go and watch movies. Because I did not get a chance of going to watch movies in cinema halls, which were coming up those days, local cinema halls, not this, you know, Indian cinema halls, but these local cinema halls were coming in this area. Uh, in the 80s. So uh, we were not allowed as children to go and watch movies uh, because of you know violence, especially sex violence in cinema halls. And also if you get addicted to going to, to cinema hall, you never want to go to school. So our parents never wanted us to go to watch movies. So my brother used to sneak in and come back and tell you a story. So I remember him you know, demonstrating, like, boom, Buddy Spencer, crushing people. You, one know, Bruce Lee, You know, he came with those names. I still have them. I remember that uh, story of wild geese. Yeah, I think it is Rojumbo. Yeah, you know, you know, you you feel the the movie the way he used to demonstrate them. And uh, as an artist, for me, even up to now, it is the inspiration of him demonstrating. I, I like that the way he does it. I he used to do it. Like also the the signpost outside the cinema hall, and you see. Chuck Norris, uh, he has a cab, like a cowboy, but holding a big gun. So you you just imagine what will come out of this gun. So there are so many you know inspiring you know stories I used to, uh, which are you know linking me to that. Also, uh, the, the 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 magazine which we, we we found out in 1986, it was a, a Chinese a Chinese magazine, sports magazine. At the end, you you could find you know the movement and uh, kung fu movements. And then we taught ourselves from the magazines the Uchua, Nanchuan and other styles. So we know them now. We are masters. Especially Robert is a master. So though all that. There are so many things which I can't I I, I can imagine. Uh, there are so many like uh, there's another magazine which used to come from Kenya. It was called uh, Spear. It was like a comic but a, a real human being uh, like a detective you know, story. They used to draw like a comic. A story used to to run like a comic, but with human, real human being. So I remember that guy with you know a cap and a shoot, and he was like a good fighter. So there's so many, and also another one came from uh, uh from, from 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 Nigeria. I think the guy was called uh, uh, Fa- Ferris Fang. I, I, I don't see those magazines anymore, but uh, I, I mean, they all inspired us, uh, and uh, we wanted to be you know, you know, stars in the 80s, but we did not have. The means of, you know, becoming.
1: I remember I used to do a lot of somersaults. There are so many inspirations, you know. Catherine, kind of the same question for you. What inspired you to become a filmmaker as well?
0: I am self-taught. I did not go to film school. I did not have planned to become a filmmaker. I was on a very different path and then realized it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. And my dad had had a homemade kind of dark room when I was growing up. And I used to develop photographs with him and make, make photos. So, photography was kind of my inspiration. And I started down that path. I was working at a work study program up in Maine and fell upon a few documentary stories that and I became very interested in documentary. I didn't like so much. I was kind of I was in a program for more like fine art, but that wasn't the, that wasn't the storytelling that was pulling my heartstrings, but documentary was. And I loved finding stories and telling the stories and celebrating those stories and so um, it was really a first photography part project and then a mentor I had at the time um, who just told me when I was trying to figure it out I was doing all these interactive component components and he was like just make the film just make and so it was great because I was like I didn't feel I had the confidence to learn to, a video camera it was a moving, you know moving images so it was really wonderful I just needed that one little push from someone I trusted to go and learn and figure it out and start learning it out. So I, my very first film I made was DIY. I did everything myself and then brought in people when I could. But that's how I learned to make movies. It was just trial and error, <laughs> make the mistakes and find the solutions and learn how to tell stories and find what works and learn when your audience is feeling something and and just it's like that's what I love about the filmmaking process is you're constantly lo- growing and you're constantly learning.
1: How is it as a filmmaker making a film about another filmmaker? What were some of the challenges and rewards of that?
0: Oh, it's an absolute joy. I get to celebrate an Isaac story. I think Isaac's story is so and because of the time period I was there from like when we first went there and it was very much What I feel when I do kind of like a 48-hour film challenge with some friends and you go in, it's just this unbridled, you're you're not limited by ideas of client or success or fame or money or whatever. It's just this pure kinetic energy of the creative hive that is your team. And that is something that you lose a lot when you're trying to just survive as an artist, you're trying to build a career, but whenever you can kind of go back to that and find that moment um, of just like that unbridled joy of creating art with people you love, it's one of the most magical feelings in the world. It is whenever I want to quit doing what I want to do because it's so hard that I always kind of go back to the, that moment. Yeah, so that's what I found in Isaac's story and watching them and being able to film that and celebrate that. Was something really, but not ignore how the hardships and how difficult it is, and how you have to get past those and work through them. Cause that's such a big part of not just filmmaking, of anyone having any dream and trying to realize any dream. So that was what was so special about being able to tell the story with Isaac. And just as a filmmaker, because Isaac and his team were all filmmakers, we were, it was such a collaborative journey. I remember when I was reading the story, and if, when you see the film, and Isaac is showing uh, how he used to make a projector with his um, with his friends when he was little, and then re- and then recreate that moment in our film for his children. I remember going through transcripts and reading, and I was like, I th- "Is that what I'm reading? I think I'm is he t- telling a story about tran- like making a projector and showing and watching film this way?" And it was so incredible. So I. Was, I would bring those stories to Isaac, and Isaac would kind of translate them um in his own way. So it was so much fun to, like, break all the documentary rules and and collaborate and kind of come up with ways of telling these really beautiful parts of um the journey.
1: Now, can you tell me the kind of journey of the documentary overall? You've won awards won a lot of awards actually those are starting in 2021 obviously it's 2023 now so what's kind of the life of the film
0: I joke that it's been like trying to kill me for the last two years but no so we were due it was um, it, you know we started 2015 we were due to premiere South by Southwest um, in 2020 um, the pandemic sidelined uh, COVID sidelined um, everything so um, yeah but we were I'm glad we, a lot of people were very nervous about what to do with their artwork during that time and there was like a huge rush to kind of put it out there. Everyone's, everyone's in front of their, their devices and consuming stuff. But for me, it was so important because of the experience I had with Isaac and watching his films with an audience. And my film, I felt like I wanted to do a tribute. It was, you know, this is a love letter to Bollywood, a love letter to the art of filmmaking. And I wanted to wait to see if we could have an audience present. So we held out. Luckily, we found some partners that were willing to kind of join us in this energy of this experience we want to create with this summer in order to be interactive. Because the one thing that is so wonderful about what Hollywood and Isaac and his team is that they are so interactive with their audience. And I think that it's it's something that's lost a lot when people get carried away with pressure of succeeding or or the pressures of getting it out there or the pressures of getting it seen like it's there's so much going on but that connection with audience is one of the most beautiful things in the world that isaac does with his work and it's something that i wanted to make sure the our documentary could um also do
1: isaac i've got two real quick questions for you because i know we're running out of time but one can you tell me where's the best place for people to actually see your films to be able to to get access and two, can you tell me the relationship of DJs with uh, your films? Because I've, I've heard about like DJ culture in Uganda, and I'm totally unfamiliar with it. We
2: have uh, movies on Amazon, uh, like who killed Captain Alex, has, I think, and Bad Black, uh, I've forgotten there that the, the camp and Adafa, I think, Agafa is distributing them in the outside Uganda. You can also watch uh, killed Captain Alex on YouTube. It's free. And I think, but black, I think so. You can, I think, I don't know, I don't, I don't but you can watch at least Who Kept Captain Alex on. Uh, yeah, you can also, I mean, go on our social media platform. You find something, you find something like also the Patreon. Also, uh, you can work on Patreon you also see some footage, especially uh, the new Who Kept Captain Alex Part Two. There is that clip which I've you know uh, given out in on, on my Patreon page. I, I think people should see what is coming. The fire no fire coming <laughs> yeah uh yeah uh, the, the the relationship between my movies and VJ VJ is uh is uh, video joker uh, that is uh, I mean that person who speaks on top of the movie we call him VJ here in Uganda and I, I think it started here in Uganda in the 80s uh, the first VJ is I believe the first busy because we, you all don't know who was the first VJ but the first VJ was my classmate uh, the first we knew in this area was uh, called Chiwa, chiwanuka. he was my classmate in nineteen eighty five later on nineteen eighty six eight 88, i started hearing uh the v j but because i did not go to cinema hall but Robert would come and i oh it's your brother it's your friend your classmate <laughs> i mean it's it's chiwanuka who's doing it so uh that when it came i, I think it came as uh, he, the v j came as an interpreter of uh, especially Chinese movies. At least we could listen a little, understand a little of English, though we needed someone also to uh, explain more what the Hollywood movies meant, the, the, the Nor- I mean, the, the Bollywood movie, the uh, the movies from Hong Kong. Uh, we didn't know anything about what they were talking about. I mean, anyway, uh, our English was not good also. So we needed someone to translate. But these guys came with a, a trick of, you know, spicing the movie with a lot of jokes. You know, to understand it, you, it, yes, it's good, you understand, but you also needed a joke. I mean, something, you know, spicy. It's like spicy and sweet to, to make it more, 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 more interesting. So that is the, 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 the meaning of a, a, a VJ in Uganda. So uh, for me, it is VJ VJME, uh, the first VJ to do a Ugandan movie. It was Emmy, and it was in Luganda. Our language is in Luganda, so he first did it in Luganda. And uh, that movie became a new movie. I had already taken it all over the country. And people were like... In fact, I, I brought a VJ as a means of... Uh, it was marketing a marketing strategy. When I realized that the youth, which is... Uh, I mean, the youth have 75, 75% of our population. So when I realized that the youth are not watching my movie, because they normally don't have uh, TVs at home, they always hang up in the, in the cinema halls in the evening... These are the border border guys and others. So I realized that they don't watch my movies. And when I put my movies in the cinema hall, because they did not have VJ, they were rejected. So I realized, oh, I needed a VJ. So that's why I went to VJ Emmy. And then when I talked to him, he was like, I can't do it. So Uganda, why do I do it? Uganda translated Uganda into Uganda. But when he did it before the audience, I tell you it was mass. It, people were like, ah! and it was like an American movie in that sense, because they were used to Western movies. So that is how Emmy realized that it is very important, and it was also fun making a Ugandan movie into a making a Ugandan movie into a VJ movie. So that is how VJ Emmy became, uh, you know, our VJ, and uh, I got in, and now he's very famous for for VJing U- Ugandan movies. There's other VJs in Uganda, but for him, he's very famous for Ugandan movies, and that's why he's very famous, especially with with the ladies, because ladies are our. A big, uh, you know, fun base.
1: <laughs> Isaac, Catherine, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate this. It was such a blast talking with both of you. Thank,
0: thank you. you. We're so we're talkers, so it was really fun. <laughs> <laughs>